Psalm 22 starts off with the verse saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Who said that? Jesus said that, right? When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're going to look at, at, at Psalm 22 right now. In fact, uh, uh, most of us are very familiar with Psalm 23, right? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing, I walk in, in, in pastures, green pastures, and, and uh, we, so we're familiar with Psalm 23, but Psalm 22 right before it is quoted actually more often in the New Testament than Psalm 23 is. And uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels in the New Testament, they refer to this psalm that we're about to read. Uh, and in fact, before we read it, I want to give you a little bit of uh, context that will help you understand what is being said here. This is written by David, David in the Old Testament, before he became king of Israel. Now, if you remember anything about the story of David, remember he was a young boy and he was a shepherd boy and Jesse was his father. He was one of eight brothers. He had at least two sisters. And one day he, David is out shepherding his flock out in the field and he receives notice he needs to come home in a hurry. He gets home and here's the prophet Samuel visiting their home. And Samuel tells Jesse and all the family and David that God has chosen David to be the next king of Israel. And he anoints him, goes through a little anointing ceremony. He says, God has anointed you. He has a great plan for your life, David. And God is going to be with you in a special way. And you may recall much of the story. He Time goes by. He kills Goliath. Remember David and Goliath? And he's actually in Saul's army. Uh, and uh, But then he becomes a little too successful. And Saul gets jealous of David and actually throws a spear at him and tries to kill him, barely missing him. And David is now on the run. And David spends like the next eight years of his life out in the wilderness, hiding out in caves with Saul, the current king, and his armies after him. Now, this is the context of Psalm 22. Could you imagine David thinking, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe Samuel, the prophet, had it wrong. He anointed me. He said that God said I was going to be the next king, that God had a great plan for my life, that I was going to be this successful guy. Here I am. I'm hiding out in the wilderness. I'm, I'm hiding out here in these caves. He felt abandoned. So this Psalm 22, even though it is messianic in the sense that it points us to Christ, and we'll talk about that in a moment, in its original context, it's written by David, and he's talking about how he feels abandoned. Do you ever feel abandoned? Do you ever feel forsaken? Do you ever feel like you're just all alone and nobody really cares? Even God. Do you ever go through a time when you're crying out to God and you're praying and you're prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling and and uh, you just wonder is God really there you feel forsaken this is a a prayer for when you're feeling abandoned let's let's look at it it's 31 verses so we won't read them all but I'll just highlight a few we'll read the first few and then we'll start skipping a few my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from saving me so far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. 
In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I, I, I'm a worm, I'm not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. They said, let the Lord deliver him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Skip down to verse 11. Do not be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Skip down to verse 16. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they refer to these verses in, in the, the crucifixion of Christ. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword. Verse 22, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. We've been learning as we go through the Psalms that this is, this is one of those Psalms of lament. There are several psalms of praise and thanksgiving, but this is one of the psalms of lament, of complaining, where, where in this case it's David, he's, he's complaining, he's crying out to God. Do you ever go through a time like that where you just go, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How could you possibly let this happen? I, I, I want to highlight just a few things from Psalm 22. The first thing I want you to take home with you today is a realization of this. You may feel abandoned, but you never are. You may feel abandoned, but you never are. Think of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, he's been promised that he's going to be the next king. God had great plans for his life. Here he is hiding out in caves. He had maybe every, every right, every human right that you, you know, that you and I would probably feel the same way. If God has told me I'm going to have this great life and I'm going to be the next king and I'm going to be successful and, and I started, you know, I killed Goliath and, and I had all, all this great success, but, but now I'm hiding in a cave. Really? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He, he felt, he felt. So alone. And as you look at the surface of his circumstances and his situation, he felt so abandoned. Yet the truth is God was with him. All the way. God was every bit as much with David in the cave as he was when he was in the palace. He was with David the whole time. And we know from the rest of the story that, that God was grooming David, purifying his character, growing him, teaching him faith and obedience. This, this is a main theme in the Bible. You may feel abandoned, but you never are. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So you may feel like an orphan. And you may feel like you're all alone. Maybe, maybe your parents abandoned you when you were a kid. Maybe your spouse has abandoned you. Maybe a dear friend has stabbed you in the back. And you feel so alone and so forsaken. You may feel that way, but God will never abandon you. He is always there. 
Hebrews 13, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You see, you and I, we tend to find our security in our circumstances, in our stuff, and especially in our money. If I can have enough money all saved up and built up, that is my security. And, and we know, don't we, that, that man, that, that money is so fragile, it can go so quick. And our health can leave so quick. Circumstances can change so quick. Your only real security is in Christ. And you put your hope in Christ. So you may feel abandoned, but you never are. And then here's the second thing I want you to know. Jesus was abandoned so you could be adopted. Jesus was abandoned so you could be adopted. Remember how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? He prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to die. He didn't want to go through all that suffering and pain. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? So have I. We've all prayed prayers like, God, don't let this happen. God, I don't want to take this route. God, do something. Intervene. Change the direction that things are going here. We've all prayed, don't let this cup pass from me. Yet Jesus also prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus was obedient to his heavenly father, even to dying on a cross. And that's what God calls you and me to do, to trust him. It's okay to cry out. It's okay to say, take this cup from me. But God wants us to get to the place where we can say, you know, no matter what happens, your will be done. I will follow you. See, he wants to build our character. He wants to build our faith. And you know what the real agony for Jesus was on the cross? Of course, crucifixion was horrific. You and I can only imagine what, what having nails driven through your body and hanging on a cross, the physical torture of it all, the social and psychological uh, abandonment and humiliation of it all. Jesus hung on that cross from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon. And, and in Matthew 27, it says about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22. You know what the real agony for Jesus was? Oh, I, I, physical, of course. The psychological, the relational, the humiliation of it all, of course. You know what the real agony was? It was his abandonment by the Father. Jesus was abandoned so that you and I could be adopted. We, we cannot completely understand. Let's, let's get real. We, we can't understand fully that transaction that took place. As Jesus died, that atoning death on the cross for you and me. What happened between God the Father and God the Son? As Jesus paid the price for our sins. But when you look at the rest of the New Testament, the, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus was our substitute. He died in our place. He took our sins so that we get his righteousness. Jesus was abandoned so that we could be adopted. Isn't that great news? There is a good and beautiful God, a creator who loves you so much that he gave his own son for you. And he wants you to be adopted into his family. You see, we're all children of God by creation. Everybody's a child of God by creation, but only those who, 
who receive and believe in him, that he died on the cross for their sins, are children of God by salvation. And we're adopted into his family. The apostle John says in chapter 1, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You see, to those who received him, to those who believed in him, he gives the right to become children of God. I ask you today, have you received? Have you believed? Maybe you're a, you know, you're a real nice person, maybe even a religious kind of person. You try to do the right thing. But, but has there been a point in your life where you have said, God, I believe in Jesus Christ who was abandoned so that I might be adopted. I believe in Jesus who was my substitute, who died on the cross for my sins. And I believe and I receive you right now. Have you done that? Paul says in Romans 8, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So Paul is saying in Romans 8, yes, we go through all kinds of hard times. There's all kinds of groanings and aches and pains. But right now, even we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit of God, when we believe, when we receive, God adopts us as His children. He puts His very presence, His Spirit inside of us as a, as a down payment, if you will, of, of the future, of the wonder that's going to, to be ours in the new heavens and new earth when we have new bodies. He says, so we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. So I ask you, have you believed? Have you received? Jesus was abandoned so you could be adopted. Now you might say, Greg, you know, if Jesus was abandoned so I could be adopted, then, then why do I sometimes feel abandoned? Because you do, don't you? And I, and I do too. Sometimes we feel forsaken, like, my goodness, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If, if you're really there, how come you don't intervene? How come you allow this to happen? How come you take this cup from me? I want to go this way, not that way. And we have all these, these emotions and, and all of these questions. Why do we sometimes feel abandoned? Well, as you search scripture, there are at least two reasons. Two reasons. One reason is sin, and one reason is testing. Sin and testing. Sometimes we feel abandoned by God and feel far from him because of our sin. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 59, your sins have separated you from God. God is hiding his face from you because of your sins. See, sin is a big deal. And I know we live in a society that increasingly doesn't even believe in sin. Sin is just like an old fashioned idea. But as we touched on briefly last week, sin is a big deal. It brings all kinds of practical problems into your daily life. For my own personal Bible reading time, I've been going through uh, parts of the Old Testament, and right now I'm going through the book of Leviticus. <laughs> Leviticus, anybody want to join me for Leviticus? I mean, my goodness, it's, it's where God through Moses is giving ancient Israel, telling them how to build the tabernacle and all of the, all of the uh, offerings and sacrifices they're supposed to. There's a sin offering. There's a burnt offering. There's a peace or fellowship offering. There's a grain offering. And, and it's all, the whole thing is set up to make a big deal about sin. 
God loves us, but we're separated from him because of our sin. And here's some things that have to happen before we can get back together with God. And, and really, it's rich when you start really jumping into it because it all is pointing ahead to Jesus and how he is that sacrificial lamb, how he is that sacrifice, that substitute, so that we can be adopted and reconciled back to God. So it, if you feel abandoned, feel forsaken, you need to just get real honest with yourself. Am I sinning against God? Because you see, there's no way you can disobey God and have his blessing on your life. You just can't. Our sin is so serious that Jesus died for it. If you feel like your prayers just aren't being heard, if you feel like God, it just isn't even around, not, don't, don't be overly morbid or introspective about it, but I think our problem oftentimes is not being overly morbid about it, but actually taking it way too lightly and not seriously enough. We're, oh, yes, and no big deal. You know, I can do this. I can do that. I know technically that's wrong, but I can do that. And, you know, God will be okay. No, you get honest about your sin and, and you come clean with God. Take an honest look at yourself because there's no way you're going to enjoy the presence and power and grace and blessing of God in your life if you are consistently and intentionally living in rank sin against him. But maybe it has nothing to do with sin, the reason you feel forsaken or abandoned. It might just be a test. It could be testing. I encourage you to read 1 Peter chapter 1 sometime. Even, the whole letter actually is about the testings that, that God gives us in this life. Peter says that sometimes God allows these sufferings and these trials and these problems to come into our life in order to prove and test and purify our character. Uh, a week ago yesterday, uh, I, was, uh, I went with John Taylor and some of the guys uh, up to the homeless shelter in Flint, my brother's keeper, and, and, and I had a conversation with the guy while I was there. We had a great time serving these homeless guys, and uh, one of the guys that I talked to was, uh, he had been there just two weeks, had been there just two weeks, and he, and I could tell right away, this guy's, he's actually quite sharp and eloquent, and he's telling me his story, and he's pretty passionate about it, and he was telling me he's been here two weeks, he just got out of prison. He spent the last 10 years in prison, and he just got out, and he's now on probation, and they're telling him what to do, and how to do it, and all this stuff, and, and, and he, he's telling me, and, and he's insisting that he was innocent, he, he was not guilty of what they accused him of, and he's thrown into prison for 10 years. And, and as I'm listening and trying to, you know, just, just console him and bring some kind of, you know, compassion to him. And, and I told him, you know, I'm a pastor and let me pray for you. And he said, well, honestly, pastor, he said, you know, I went to church as a kid. So I kind of know a bit about God and Jesus and all that stuff. But he said, I, I have a hard time believing in God right now. And he said, because the way I look at it, if there is a God, why in the world, how in the world could he allow these bad things to happen to me? Because, Pastor, I just wasted 10 years of my life in prison. And now I'm still on, on probation, and they're telling me what to do and everything. And, and, and you know, I've lost my friends and my family and all this. And, and, and he's quite bitter, quite bitter, quite angry. And, and, and he said, I think of it this way, Pastor. He said, if I was in my home with my family, my wife and my kids, and some person breaks into my home, 
and they start beating on my wife and beating my children and abusing them. And I just sit on my couch eating popcorn, watching TV and let the guy do that. And he ended up killing my family and, and I do nothing. You would think I'm an evil person, right? You would think I shirked my responsibilities. Why didn't I intervene and try to stop that? He said, that's how I view God. Here is God. He's watching, watching all this evil happen, watching all these bad things happen. And, and he doesn't even get off the couch and intervene and do something about it. So I'm having trouble with God right now. Wow. Uh, wow, this is a good question, first of all, good point. But this guy is, is, is really angry. And, and, and he feels forsaken and he's feeling abandoned. And, and as I'm listening to his story, I'm thinking, wow, not only is he bitter, but uh, what answer could I give him that would be good enough? You see, I've learned as a pastor over the years that whenever we cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It sounds like it's an intellectual question. You know, why would God? But then think about it. Is there any reasons God could give you that would be good enough? Well, here's why it happened. Here's why this bad thing happened in your life. God had these bad. Could any answer really be good enough? I've learned that what we're really crying out for is some comfort, some understanding, some compassion. That's what we really are crying out for. And that's what God offers us is that compassion and that love. Now, now, in a general way, God has given us a general answer through Scripture. And the answer is this, because of, of you know, he created us good and, and all that, but then we used our free will to sin against him. Now we live in a sinful, fallen world, and we're all messed up, and there's all kinds of problems. And God has chosen to go with this world right now where he would not be intervening every time somebody tries to do something wrong or tries to hurt somebody else. That's the answer. You want an answer? Why, why, why doesn't he intervene? Because God has chosen that, that in this world, he's not going to intervene and stop you every time you do something wrong or every time somebody goes to do something dumb or harmful to anybody else. That's, that's really the answer. Now, you could say, I wish it weren't that way. I wonder why God created that way. But that's just the fact. That's the kind of world we live in. And what God promises, he does not promise you he's going to intervene every time. He does not promise you that he's going to take that cup away from you, that cup of suffering, that hard time every time. He's not going to intervene every time, but he has promised to be with you. He has promised to never leave you or forsake you. And he's given you hope. He's given you hope. So what do you do? What do you do when you, when you feel abandoned like this? What do you do? A couple of things. One thing you do is you grab onto the rope. Remember we talked about this rope last week? This rope is prayer and scripture. Think of prayer and scripture as the rope that God has given us so that we can stay close and stay safe to him. I told you this story about some Midwestern farmers back in the day that during wintertime, especially during times of blizzard, when they had to leave their house and go out into the barn and do their chores, sometimes they would leave their house. And even though the barn is maybe only 50 yards away, the blizzard would be so great that they would literally get disoriented and lost and they would freeze to death in their own yard a few steps away from their home. Just so sad and so tragic. So they learned that they could tie a rope 
a long rope from their house to their barn. And they could follow that rope all the way to, to the barn, do their chores, follow that rope all the way back. And the, the blizzard could be swirling all about them. They couldn't even see anything, but they could follow the rope and get back into warmth, back into their home. Prayer and scripture. We looked at Psalm 1 last Sunday. This meditation, I will delight in God's law and meditate on his law day and night. This meditation, this prayer and scripture is the rope God has given you and me to hold on to him and to find our way back into the warmth. So grab on to the rope. And as you're doing that, here's another, another thing to do, what to do when, when, you are, when you feel abandoned. And that is to praise and complain. Praise and complain. Don't, don't just complain. We got that down, don't we? But also praise and complain. We don't have time, but maybe this week. In fact, I encourage you, maybe every day this week, read through, through Psalm 22. Make it your prayer. Make it your prayer for whenever you feel abandoned, turn to Psalm 22. And, and notice how it goes back and forth between praise and complain. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? Yet I will trust you. Yet I will, I will believe in you. You helped our ancestors. I believe you can help me. God, why don't you do something? Why don't you feel? But I will trust you. He goes back and forth. This is what prayer is. This is what meditation is. You wrestle with yourself. You wrestle with God. You tell God how you're really feeling. If you're doubting, you say, God, I'm doubting. Where are you in this? If you're angry, you say, God, I am upset right now. I don't understand what's going on here. You, you're honest with your, with your doubts, with your feelings, with what's really going on. You bring it to God. But you also, by, by an act of his grace and, and your, your, your commitment to him, you, you, you're going to praise him. And you're, you're, you're going to wrestle with yourself. And you give yourself a good talking to. And you immerse yourself back into the truth of Scripture and realize that God's Never promised to intervene in every situation, but he's promised to be with you. And you start claiming these things like, Lord, thank you that I'm your adopted child of God. Thank you that, that my identity is rooted in you. Thank you that I can be like that tree planted by streams of water and, and I can go down deep and I can, even though there's a drought up above and everything's dying and dead up above, down in you, I, I can have this, I can have this joy, this happiness in spite of all that's, that's going on. That's what David did. Grab onto that rope, praise and, and abandon. And then finally, commit to community. Commit to being part of God's community. Down in Psalm 22, actually verse 22 and verse 25, verse 31, David says things like, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You see, this psalm wasn't just for David. This just wasn't an individualistic thing just for him. He wrote this to be shared with all of Israel, and it became part of the book of Psalms. It became part of the hymnal, the song book, the prayer book for ancient Israel. And it's your book and my book today. And so we can use this prayer for whenever you're feeling abandoned. And, and you do it, you, you, as you do it, you commit to community. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You see, God created his church to be his family, his adopted sons and daughters who believe in Jesus. And we receive him. And now we're part of the same family of God. And he wants us to come together, relate to one another on the basis of our common commitment to him. And so church is about having this, this community, these relationships, so that we can encourage each other and do this journey of life together. And we can, we can pray for each other and cry out together and laugh together and, and, and be together. 
So, so especially when you're feeling abandoned and forsaken and lonely, that's when you really need to commit to community and have some close Christian friends that can you can lean on and they can encourage you. Now, hey, I know that a lot of us are like introverts, like to be alone. Honestly, I love to be alone. I love to just find my little corner somewhere and read and think and just be alone. I have my little man cave downstairs at home. And, and man, I just love spending like a whole afternoon. In fact, that's where I'm going to be going in a little while. I'm going to be down there and whatever game is on and just, just kind of relax, be alone. I get that. That's fine. But, but you need community. You need relationship. And especially when you're feeling abandoned, that's when you got to call out on your friends. So think of church, not just for you coming and getting what you want, but realize that church is where you should be looking around and be thinking, hmm, who's been missing lately? Hmm, who's been struggling lately? Hmm, maybe somebody is feeling a little lonely or forsaken or abandoned. You know what? I'm going to reach out and I'm going to try to bring them some comfort. I'm going to try to bring them some friendship in the name of Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, you know that sometimes we wonder why you feel so, we feel that you're just so far away. And it's good to see that David felt that way. And even our Lord Jesus felt that way. Help us to see today that Jesus was abandoned so that we could be adopted. Lord, we can't even begin to understand what happened that moment on that cross when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Could it be that literally at that moment you turned your back on him because all the sin of the world was put on Jesus and you couldn't even look at him for that moment because he was taking our sin and he was for that moment separated from your presence. And you loved us so much that you did that for us. Lord, help us to find our hope and our strength in that. Today we recommit to community, to loving and encouraging each other so that no one feels abandoned for long. And all God's people say, Amen.